Morning. How are we? Are we good? Excellent. We had a wonderful time of worship. Just uh, God touching us. Um, just amazing. Thank you to Coney and the band. Really great. Um, God values one thing higher than any other for us. We can actually demonstrate a lot of things in our life. Kindness, bravery, obedience, courage, honesty, integrity, love. But he values one thing higher than all those. And you know what that is? Faith. Faith. Where's your faith? Have you got faith in me, says God. I want you to, the issue at the end of the day is have these people got faith? Have you got faith? Have I got faith in who God is? And we're looking at a series called Not All Heroes Wear Capes. And these heroes were set aside for the very purpose of saying these people, men and women, were people of faith. And they demonstrated their faith in lots of different ways. And the writer of Hebrews is encouraging them who were struggling with a lot of different things in their lives, challenged in lots of different ways to saying, are you going to be a people of faith? Because that's the important thing. Are you going to be found faithful? Last, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Luke was preaching about the life of Abel. We were looking at Abel's sacrifice. And Enoch, in Hebrews 11, as we'll see in a moment, follows that. He's mentioned as the next person. And we're looking at so why, what was it about Enoch? We have very little on Enoch. Uh, what was it that the writer to the Hebrews picked out and said, I want you to look at this guy. I want you to look at his faith and particular, particular issue about his faith. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. He talks about faith um, right at the beginning. And he says this. About faith, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. They were commended for the fact that they had this faith, a confidence in what they hoped for and an assurance about what they didn't see. He is reminding them about those that have gone before who suffered in a world that actually, whereas many others were choosing not to go and to walk the way of Jehovah, but they remained faithful. They let their lives shine out. Now, Abel, we're told, showed faith in his sacrifice. His heart was fully given over to God. So he wasn't just going through the motions. There was an outward show of sacrifice. 
sorry, there was an outward show of sacrifice, but there was an inner part of actually his heart attitude towards what he was doing. And we really have only two things about Enoch's life. And those are, these two things are things that interestingly, although there's only really two things that we know about him, we probably know what those two things are. If I was to say Enoch to you, you kind of go, oh, uh, let me remember now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Enoch. Ah. And there was these two things. He walked with God. He walked with God. And God took him. He didn't die. And those two things are linked. Let's read Hebrews 11, 5 to 6. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleases God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What's he referring to? And we, again, just got a very short couple of verses in Genesis 5 that we hear a bit about Enoch. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he... Uh, became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Although uh, Jared lived a total of 962 years and then he died. And when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And he became the father, and after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God over 300 years and had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. And Enoch walked faithfully with God. And then he was no more because God took him. Now, don't get too caught up in all the ages thing, okay? Kind of working it all out. Um, (laughs) We're told his father's name, Jared. We're told his son's name, Methuselah, one of his sons. Uh, We're told he walked with God and then he was not because God took him. Um. Interestingly, this 365 years that we're told that Enoch lived is actually, out of all these characters, the shortest life out of them all. Whereas his son, his son was the longest living in the Bible. Um, and as one commentator points out, Enoch, when Enoch was around, Adam was still around. <laughs> so he actually, he, he was actually around, he actually knew Adam. Which is just amazing. His kind of great, great, great grandfather was Adam. So we're living in that zone, you know. Just a quick comment about his father. Why is it important to say, okay, and this is who his father was? Why is that important? Why do you think they're mentioning that at all? Well, it gives him context, it gives him history. He, he's an ordinary man. He's got lineage, just like, as I say, well, what's your dad's name? What's your granddad's name? 
It gives you an arc. Okay, yeah, that puts you in place. Okay, no, no, we are. It, it's important, particularly when we're looking at somebody who was taken by God, okay, that actually this is just an ordinary guy taken by God. He didn't die. Earlier in Hebrews, the writer refers to a person called Melchizedek. And he says this about Melchizedek, who was kind of around Abraham's time. Melchizedek was a, was a man who was without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days and end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So here we've got Enoch that we know his background. He was just an ordinary guy. And we've sort of got Melchizedek, who's this kind of slightly mysterious character who appears on the scene for Abraham, who's this kind of eternal priest figure. And there's a contrast to that, of saying, actually, Enoch's like us. He's just a bloke like us with a, a mom and a dad and kids. And we know who his dad's name was. And what we're hearing about that is Enoch, somebody that we can look at and say, actually, this is, this is an ordinary man who walked faithfully with his God. He walked with God and God took him. God took him because he saw faith in Enoch's walk. If Abel's faith was shown in his sacrifice, Enoch's faith was in his walk with God. He was pleasing to God. We think, well, there must be tons of people in the Bible who are mentioned of saying he walked with God. That must be something which we're just, we're so used to hearing. You know, I mean, it must be tons and tons of people. Actually, as you start to look at it, as I started to look at it, you start to realize, actually, there's not. It's an unusual thing to say about somebody. There's only one other person, and that is Noah. Uh, Genesis 6 7 says Noah was a righteous man blameless in his time Noah walked with God and it's the only other person who's mentioned as somebody who walked with God you're thinking gracious so it's quite a statement to say he walked with God when the Bible talks about walking with God it's uh, saying a lot more than he just you know did a couple of Monroes or something you know it's saying something about his walking with it's not just following. He walked with God, kind of hand in hand with God, alongside God. It can sound a bit unimpressive. We can kind of shrug our shoulders. So what? A bit unimpressive. You know, I mean, we look at some other characters in Hebrews 11 and we see people that were sawn in two. We see uh, Abraham who was willing to sacrifice his son. We're thinking, yeah, now that, that's faith for you. That's, that's, I mean, man, that, that must have taken some faith. But I mean, okay, you, you, you're lifting up Enoch because he, he walked with God. But Enoch was living in a, a time where many of his contemporaries weren't living for God. They weren't walking with God. Cain is one of those. He'd known about his great, great, great grandfather, Adam, who'd been kicked out of the garden so that he couldn't have that kind of fellowship. There was a time, as we read, where Adam was walking 
with God in the garden. You know, and we see God turn up. We hear the story of God's walking through the garden. It's going, hi, here I am. <clears throat> Coming, you know, come and walk in with me. And suddenly finds Adam and Eve have hidden themselves. They've hidden themselves from God. Why have they hidden themselves? Why are they not just able to just go for a nice walk with God? Well, because they're ashamed. They realize they've sinned. They realize there's a separation now between them and God. They, they, I can't just, you know, they were walking. There was, there was an openness and an honesty, and now it was a different thing altogether. Enoch lived in that zone. He knew all about that. We live in a society where um, we can hide too. We hear lots of situations. It's a kind of human trait of nature that we conceal something when we know we're not quite right, that we actually hide it, just like Adam and Eve did. Whether it's the married man who kind of is hiding his affair from his wife, or it could be sort of corrupt business people that are hiding the money that they're squirreling away from ill-gotten gains from gullible investors or kind of sports cheats that are hiding because they want to win so much that they're actually uh, cheating the system. But God is a God who doesn't look on the outward appearance but looks at the heart. He discerns motives. He can read our thoughts before we've even thought them. There's no hiding from him. As the psalmist says, where can I go from your presence? You are intimately acquainted with all my ways. God sees us. And there's an echo coming down to us from the Old Testament. It's God's desire to have a people who just walk before him, walk with him. Instead of outward appearance, but actually inwardly give their hearts to him rather than other things. We hear in the New Testament from John, in 1 John uh, chapter 1, he says, this is talking about walking. This is, a, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. There's a walking that's going on and John is saying, you know, don't walk in darkness. Walk up openly in the light. Walk candidly, honestly, transparently before one another and before your God. Walking with God is walking in the light. It's not darkness. It's openness. It's transparency. Our lives are on view for all. We are demonstrating our faith and our faithfulness openly and honestly. 
I bet there was many people in Enoch's day who were walking in darkness. Just like there is for us. It takes faith, you know, to day after day to live under God's righteous glare. To say, here I am, I'm just walking honestly before you. And secondly, John talks about our fellowship with one another. We have good relationship with one another because we walk in the light. We're not walking in a hidden way. We want to have good relationships. The Bible, the gospel brings us, this walk brings us not only good relationship with God, but good relationship with one another. Yeah, because we're walking in the light. When, we're, when we walk with somebody, we're walking in step with them, aren't we? I'll tell you a little secret. I'm just going to do it on my shoelace in case I trip on it. <coughs> and I know that my wife's looking at it thinking he's going to trip up on it. He's going to trip up on it. <coughs> um, I'll tell you a little secret. When Anne and I go on a walk together, I, I walk a little bit faster than she does. Okay. Um, often she's calling out to me and saying, can we slow down a bit? Hey. And I, I'll look around and I'll kind of think, oh, sorry. I kind of like, <laughs> I realize she's way back there. <laughs> uh, there's a great temptation to kind of march ahead. Uh, to kind of, <laughs> to kind of do that and actually not to stay, to stay in pace with someone actually takes a listening to them and a, an awareness of them and a, a, a communication with them. It's not just kind of like, you know, fixed on goal, need to get there by 10.30, you know, march, you know, and kind of hope you kind of catch up. It, there's, a, there's a walking with somebody is actually a communication with somebody. It's kind of, how's it going? You know, and you're just, you're, you're communicating back and forth. Yeah? That, that's this walk with God. It's not just a kind of like, I'm just going for the goal here. It's actually God saying, so how's it going? How's it going? How, how are we doing? You know, what's, what's happening in your life? And it's like, I thought we were going on a walk. Yeah, yeah, but like, this is what part of walking is about. We, we, we chat. We, we talk, you know. You know, and see that? I made that. You know, and it's like, you know, <laughs> you know we're, we're on this, we're on this, yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. How did you make that? Look at the, yeah, look at those flowers. Look at the, that detail there. You know, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, so as we were saying, Matthew, you know, and we're talking, we're, we're communicating. I'm walking with God. I think that we're not walking ahead of him. We're not kind of like ahead. Sometimes we get frustrated, don't we? We get frustrated at the pace that God seems to be setting. We're kind of like, oh, for goodness sake, come on. Let's get this thing moving. <clears throat> you know, I mean, it's just not moving fast enough. <clears throat> you know, I mean, come on, we can just, we can cut the chase. All this bit is rubbish. Let's just get on with the, the main points and we kind of want to, we want to move it forwards. And actually God's just, Holding us back. That's often the most frustrating point, isn't it? We're like, 
okay. We're not quite going at that pace, okay. I thought we just needed to get there as fast as possible. And he's like, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not the aim. It's not just about speed. It's <laughs> the, the, the part of this is a, partly it's about relationship. And partly it's about, it, it's actually your faith and your trust of me is kind of tested out as we go at this pace. It works it out kind of in that way. And it's like, it's not just about, you know, you think you can do this. No, you think you can kind of, you can sort this all out. You think you've got it all sorted and kind of like, let's just get on with it. And God's saying, well, actually, there's some bits of wisdom that you actually don't really realize yet. And there's wisdom in kind of holding us back from things. It is the most frustrating times, isn't it? Let's, let's be honest. We all face that. At times we want something to hurry up. We're just like, come on. I'm in faith for it, but it's actually not happening right now. Don't walk ahead of God. At the same time, don't, don't, get, don't get waylaid and sort of drag your feet behind and kind of <coughs> um, get to a place where he's saying, let's get on to this next bit, and you're kind of looking backwards, and you're kind of getting involved in what was, and yeah, maybe sometime. God wants to challenge you and say, come on, come on. You, we can do this. We, we can move on with, from this. I know it might not be kind of like comfortable right now, but trust me in this. God's wanting to say that to some of you this morning. Just trust him. There's some change happening right now for you. God's saying, trust me. Trust me that actually I have an excellent pace. <laughs> I know when is the right pace in your life. John goes on to talk in uh, chapter 2, verse 6, and he says, First John chapter 2, verse 6, and he says, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Jesus had a walk. Jesus walked on this earth, same earth as you and I walk on. He walked on this earth. He was walking with his father. He had to learn what it was to actually know what is God asking me? What is the father asking me? What is it that you want me to do here? It's not just about what I want, but it's actually what you want, father. So it's actually he demonstrated what we see in the life and a full life of Jesus, meaning, meaning we have a lot of a lot of the Gospels showing us lots of part of that life. We see him walking lots of different times, communicating with men and women and difficult situations and easier situations and in hunger and in, in lots of different points. And actually we see actually how Jesus walked. And it helps us with our walk as to, all oh, right, I, I'd expect you to kind of go soft on that person, and you didn't, you know, and actually, 
And on that situation, you didn't say what I thought you were going to say. There's a walk that actually Jesus demonstrates for us. And we see him. So it says, we, John is saying, we ought to walk in the same manner as Jesus walked. There was a time, wasn't there, where he's in the garden and he says, you know, if this is, it was like, okay, what's the next bit, Father? It's like, okay, well, it's cross day. This is it. This is, this is, this is what it's all been for. This is what all this thing has been for. Actually, today, this is the walk. The walk is, you're going to the cross day. This is the part of the walk. It's like, take this cup from me. If you can take this cup from me. But actually, no, I'll... I will walk this walk. There are challenging things, aren't they, that actually we have that God challenges us about. It's not that they weren't challenging for Jesus either. Luke 9 says, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. There's challenge in the walk. Walking with Christ will inevitably mean that we will need to choose not only to walk with him, but to walk away from some others who are not wanting to walk his way. So what I'm saying is that part of this walk is actually a walk that's saying, I'm going in this direction with Christ, and it means I'm no longer walking in your direction in what you're doing. And Christ challenges us about that. Yeah? Doesn't he? My challenge was a guy named Chris. Chris was a real intellectual. He lived alone with his mother as his father, who'd been an Anglican vicar, had died. He had a lot of very good reasoned arguments as to why Christianity was a lot of rubbish. He loved listening to Marla and reading uh, Nietzsche and other sort of philosophers, and he would quote these things. I was saying to Anne earlier on, he, he knew, you could ask him at any point on the London, I was, lived in London, at any point in the London Underground, you could say, what is between that station and that station? And he would tell you. He could tell, he could, as part of kind of just his kind of normal thing, he'd be able to say, okay, I'm now going to take you through this life. I want to go from this part of London to this part. I can tell you every point and every stop and everything he had it just completely memorized. I was like, man, I tell you, I, I didn't have arguments for him. He would always outwit me in arguments. But I found Christ. Or Christ found me. I didn't have reasoned arguments. But I had this. I knew Christ loved me. I knew he loved me. I needed somebody to love me. Christ loved me. 
I didn't need to win the argument. He'd won the argument because he loved me. For God so loved me that he went to the cross for me. He loved me. And I I knew his love. I'd experienced his love. I didn't need reason arguments. So he got incredibly frustrated with me. Dear Chris, wherever you are, because I think the very thing that he almost had set his life to actually prove was completely wrong, <clears throat> which was following Christ, actually I had just gone and stumbled into, and that one day I just turned up and said, I, I, I found Jesus. It was like, he was like so mad with me. I realized that to follow Christ was going to mean not walking with Chris anymore. And that was hard. And we all have tough bits where actually we're challenged. We're thinking, you know what? I, 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 the, we, we just we want to try and marry up. We want to try and think, I could do this and this. The trouble is there's times where we've actually got to say, no, I've got to separate. I've got to say, I'm not going to walk in this way and I'm going to walk in this way. To follow Christ is a challenge and it's going to mean a walking away from as much as a walking with Christ. And I just want to challenge you this morning and say if that's you and actually God's challenging you and saying there's people that are actually in your life that are that to you. And you know they kind of just, they're, they're there and they're good, honest people that you've, got, you've had a long relationship with. But actually you just know they're going to hinder your walk. You're not going to be able to walk freely with Christ because of that you've got to say I'm sorry I'm walking in this direction I'm sorry if that offends you but that's what I'm doing and we have to make that stand we can't marry it all up you've actually got to say it means I'm going in this direction in spite of what was going on around him what was happening to Enoch's peers Enoch was a man who was known for walking with his God he wasn't interested in gaining the praise of man or boosting his own importance he just wanted to walk humbly before and with his God in the cool of the day as his great 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 grandfather had done at the beginning he just wanted to walk with God and the writer to the Hebrews comments that this was pleasing to God in verse 6 he enlarges on the importance of this by saying that it is impossible to please God unless we have faith how did Enoch have faith when everyone else is walking in the opposite direction and scorns you for the path that you're taking, it takes faith to say, I know you're all going that direction. I, I, sorry, I'm, I'm walking against this crowd. That takes faith. The other day I was um, needing to pick up my 
granddaughter from Murrayfield Stadium um, at the end of the Rolling Stones concert. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I found myself walking against thousands of people that were coming this way. And I was like, this is really hard. I'm the only person who's going. They're thinking, why is this guy going in this direction? I'm kind of walking. And you've got all these masses of people coming out of this thing. You know, it takes faith to say, actually, I'm going to walk with Christ. Even though you're all going in this direction, I'm actually going in this direction. It takes faith. I want to leave you with three things, an application into your life that I think it challenges us on. And they all begin with the letter M. That's not because it's my name, but, <clears throat> but I just chose it, okay? It just works, all right? And the first of these is money. To give away large sums of cash takes faith. Whether you're on 15K a year or 150K a year, you know what a large sum of money is to you. It's relative. It's seen as bonkers in the world to give money to God. I mean, just crazy. The, the, I, as I thought about it, there's perhaps some understanding, commendation even, when we give to a worthy cause. But to simply give our money to God on a regular basis is seen as nothing short of fanatical. We have to ask, we have to have faith that first of all that God sees everything that we do. He sees it. It's a private thing, giving. It, we, we give it. God sees it. And secondly, we have faith that there are Eternal investments that will be proven at the end of the day to be far more sensible and long-lasting than the bricks and mortar of this short life. It takes faith to walk and to walk God's way when it comes to money. Secondly, morality. It takes faith to keep yourself pure when all around you are freely giving themselves sexually to one another. We live in that world. To abstain from sex before marriage takes faith. We're honoring God. We're honoring the other person. We're honoring the body that God gave us. And I choose not to believe that I'm just a physical being that has been formed as a result of a series of incredible coincidences of nature that is just free to express my animal passions with no accountability to anyone else. I choose not to walk that way and not to believe that. I choose to believe that I am made by God. I'm made in his image. I live my life according to his values and not mine. My body, mind, and soul are not my own, but they're given over to bring glory to God and in step with him. Amen? And thirdly, mission. God has a plan for each of us, whether our name is Enoch or Emily or all the names in between. Enoch was living in a time when his contemporaries were building cities, fashioning their own kingdoms. But he had a different set of values. He had a different calling that was shaping his life. We have a calling from God to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to plant churches, 
to show the love of God. And it means on many things we are walking in the opposite direction of our colleagues and our friends. It takes faith. It takes faith to say, no, no, I actually have a different, I'm, 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 I'm marching to a different tune. Don't just go with the flow. Follow God. One final point regarding Enoch is it says that he was no more. There's only one other person in the Bible that was taken up, and that was Elijah, okay, before Elisha, Second uh, Kings 2. And as they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses, uh, uh, and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. The same, that, that same sort of phrase, he saw Elijah no more. We see Enoch, he's, you know, he was taken by, by God and he was no more. Everyone else had to go through the pain of death. The curse that had been on mankind since Adam and Eve sinned. Only two people in the Bible avoided that point. Elijah and Enoch. And Enoch's smooth transition from this life into the next, with God in eternity, speaks to us about what Christ won for us. What is in store for us. We have peace with God. We can walk with God There is no longer any separation between us and God. There's no enmity between us. Christ experienced death, so Christ had to go through death in order that actually we could have peace with God and know for sure that God is pleased with us. He sees our faith in Christ and he takes us up to be with him. We have this hope because of Enoch, that just as we walk with Christ, so we will walk with Christ in eternity. Just as Abel's faith-filled sacrifice that was acceptable to God speaks of the Father's sacrifice of his own son that was acceptable to pay the debt of the sin of mankind, so too Enoch's faith in his walk with God was that it actually was pleasing to God. It speaks of faith and the eternity that's in store for us. Death will be like a curtain that we walk through from this life into the next. And I think that the writer to the Hebrews is is wanting to encourage his listeners that you might be facing some terrible situations, terrible persecution. But look at Enoch. He he had a, a walk He was walking with God and his walk was pleasing to God and God took him. So in conclusion, let's uh, have the band up, that would be great. Are you walking with God? If you don't notice for certain, then his desire for you more than anything else is that you would know his peace every day. No fear of the future, but a certain knowledge that your future is with him. Is there something or some 
one that is hindering you from drawing close to God. I want to say then, there's a simple answer. The Bible is it's not a complicated thing. It's, we simply have to make a decision. We simply have to repent and say, yeah, no, I was wrong. Yeah, no, I need to move away from that. Yeah, and we, a lot of, a lot of Christianity is simple. It's just doing it that's hard. <laughs> Actually, making, you know, it's a simple thing. Just, no, don't walk with him, walk with me. It's not that complicated. <laughs> it's, it's just we don't want to hear it. <laughs> we want to go, I, I, but I like walking with him. Yeah, but that's going to take you in that direction for the rest of your life. Come on, walk with me. <clears throat> Are you being held back because of some misplaced loyalty to some friend that will never actually walk in step with God? If you had just a few lines, final comment. Enoch's just got a few lines about his life. What would they be? Could you summarize it back? Well, I mean, what a wonderful thing to say about somebody. Sarah. James. Paul. Raph. Walked with God. They walked with God. That's what we've got to say about them. They just walked with God. I don't want anything else said. That's, that's it. Walk with God. God was like, wow, you walk with me. I'm going to take you up. You walk with me. Just, that's it. You walk with me. It's just a simple thing. That's all this three said about him. But if that was just it, just those three words, walking with God, isn't that a wonderful thing to be said about you and your life?